Um, it is my incredible pleasure this morning, uh, first of all, to welcome everybody who's watching us in the nations of the world. We have so many international friends who are watching us today. We just tell you we're aware of you. We love you. Uh, it's a joy to partner with you. We're so honored that you would take time out of your lives to, uh, to tune in, and, uh, and you're in for a treat today because we've got one of our beloved presbyters. I, I was just sharing with Pastor Keith and Penny. Uh, I'm just amazed at the providence of God. I want to encourage you all, don't ever, ever, ever think that anything in your life is accidental or haphazard or random. How many of you know God's already been in our tomorrows? He's already been in yesterday. He's already, he's already been uh, in our future. He, he's already been there. It's all going to be okay. He's got it covered. And nothing surprises God. And just in the sheer providence of God, the fact that he would have Pastor Keith and Penny already scheduled to be with us today, knowing that this would be the week in which our beloved uh, founding pastor and bishop went home to be with the Lord. I'm amazed at that. You know, when God, when sometimes you say, Lord, I need comfort, I need encouragement, I need whatever. How many of you know that 99 times out of 100, the way God does that is through another person? People, you folks are the treasure. You know, you're the reason. If people would ask you, Pastor, are you a rich man? I'd say, I'm filthy rich. It's not because you want to look at my net worth or my bank account or my checkbook. But you know why I'm filthy rich? Because I have so many great friends. I, am so, I, have a, I am a massively huge family, and I'm not talking about my biological family. I'm talking about my spiritual family. We have friends all over the world. We have friends all over the world. You have an amazing family in this room. And Thursday at the funeral was a chance for us to see just how many pastors that stopped out of their lives and came here. And Jeff and Raquel, we're glad you guys are here all the way from Ohio. The pastors, the pastoring there, doing a good work. We love you guys. Thank you for coming. And so many other pastors who came. So we're grateful for this. And I asked Pastor Keith to give us a, a stirring word. We're talking about audacious faith. How many of you want your faith st- stirred to do bigger things? Believe God for more things. Uh, I said, stir us up. Continue to stir us up. And that's exactly what he did first service. It was absolutely powerful. Do me a favor. Hop to your feet once again. Put your hands together. Let's give the most audacious cheer as uh, Pastor Keith and Penny make their way up there. We love you guys. Good morning. Have a seat, please. Thank you for that welcome. Just look at this group out here. What a wonderful group. I see so many faces that I've gotten to know and love so much. I just want to say a quick hello and tell you what an honor it is to be part of your family. And when I'm here, I 100% feel a part of your family. The Johnsons, including Miss Carol and their kids and their family, are incredibly special to us. They are some of our dearest friends, and that extends to you guys as well. The DNA that's in them and that's in Jesus is in all of you. And so we get to be a part of that every time we see you. And it always makes my heart happy to be with you guys. Amen. Thank you, dear. I'm never broke because I got a penny. Hallelujah. (laughs) She's going to come back and help me preach in just a little bit. Part of our, our, our faith story here. But if you are new to Living Stones, uh, if you are visiting Living Stones, I, have, I am not the management, hallelujah. So come back. If you don't like me, come back next week, please. 
now, in, in all seriousness, uh, this church is a part of an organization called the Network of Related Pastors, and I am part of that oversight. I am what's called a presbyter or an overseer. This church is accountable morally, uh, morally and financially and with their mission. And so you are in a safe place for a dangerous message when you're a part of Livingstone's church. This is a good place. It's a Pharisee-free zone that really means business in Jesus' name. So if you are asking God where he wants you planted, we believe God wants every believer into be a healthy local church. And this is a church that is like that, that you can trust. The years of heritage are here, and I encourage you to plug in and plug up to see where the Lord is taking us in this next decade. Amen? Amen. Pastor Ron's doing a series on audacious faith, so he sent me a message. Pastor Keith, I want you to I want you to jump in on this series with me, which I'm delighted to do. I'm always excited to lay the brick on the wall. I love pastors. I love what they do, and uh, they're my heroes. Hallelujah! And you've got a great pastor, and we're big fans of theirs. So I'm going to do that. I'm going to jump in and honor his. His desire for me to help him, and this is uh, this is a life message for me anyway. So it wasn't like he asked me to come up with something that was real hard necessarily. I had a lot of material to choose from <laughs> in preparing, but I want to share our heart and life with you a little bit this morning. Let's go to First Timothy, the sixth chapter, and the twelfth verse, and we're going to read three or four verses of scripture there, and we're going to launch into this message today. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of eternal life to which you were called, and you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I charge you in the presence of God, who gives life to all things, and of Christ Jesus, who testified the good confession before Pontius Pilate, that you keep the commandment without stain or reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ." At the writing of this, the Apostle Paul is in jail. Actually, he's scheduled to be executed, not not far apart. But he's telling his son in the faith, the man that is going to take over his apostolic ministry eventually, to fight the good fight. So we're hearing from a guy that's gone 15 rounds, right? We're hearing from the guy who's not been a spectator in the observance of the fight of faith, but he's been in close contact with the enemies of faith. So when Pastor Ron told me the title about audacious faith as I was going through my notes and preparing and, and praying and say, Lord, what word can I bring in season to my, my wonderful church family here? And I, I do, I just love and appreciate so many of you that I've got to know over the years. And when I see your faces and your smiles, I, you just light up our life. And we, we, we appreciate that. And we know that's from the river that you're drinking out of. You are definitely a joy to minister to. But I was sitting in the room alone and I started laughing out loud. Now I know that's a sign of certain things that happen in people's lives, but I want to assure you in this case at least, for me, it was just the joy of the Holy Spirit. I just kept thinking of this title, Audacious Faith. And the more I thought about it, the more I thought, 
Is there any other kind of faith? Is there any other kind that there is a magnificent, beloved world creator who sits on a throne in heaven with his feet extended to a footstool that he calls planet earth that he's commissioned to go and cause his enemies to be submitted? That we can come to him in faith and our past can be forgiven and our future can be assured. What can be more audacious and outrageous than that? So that as you look at your life today, and you might see the mountain that you're about to climb, or the mountain that you don't want to look at, or the mountain you're about to roll down, or the mountain, whatever it may be, that, listen, audacious faith is the only kind of faith, because he is an outrageous lover with outrageous power and outrageous purpose that if we could ever dare to get a glimpse in, it makes us understand why faith is so important to our Heavenly Father. Is there any other kind? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And we can laugh at the enemy's tricks when we get a revelation of that for sure. Now, i got to be honest with you. I grew up as a fighter. Okay, and I got a little fight in me still. Are you with me? And uh, you know, I was sharing with the guys. Some of you know my testimony a little bit. But when we were, by the time I was in uh, seventh grade, we had been in nine different schools because of the chaos and our tr- and trauma in our family, and and being bounced around and moving from the the projects in in eastern Pittsburgh where I, we were where I was born and bred, and and bouncing around. That so you you know when you change schools as a kid, you got to learn to fight or you become a punching bag basically. So I learned pretty young. Listen. I might take a bruising, but they're not going to come back for any more. They might beat me up once, but they're not going to come back and beat me up twice. Are you with me? Even if I lose, they're not going to want any more of that. I, I, had to, I had to figure that out on my own. I didn't have a dad. I really didn't have a big brother. You know, uh, my big brother at that point was injured. He actually, exactly during that period, he was, he was in a massive cast from an injury in Vietnam that the cast would bleed through and they'd have to come change it. And of course, it affected his life. He, he's He's radically serving Jesus today. Hallelujah, my brother Lee, and I'm so grateful for him. Uh, but you know what? It was it was traumatic times in our life. But but I had to I had to learn how to fight. <laughs> you know, and and there was a group of guys that you know we ran with, and uh, they were pretty much in the same circumstances I was. So you put us all together, and you ended up with more trouble. You, you ended up with more chaos. You know, so so after going through all these school changes, and and finally, you know. We're about to move into high school, and of course, the government, you know, they never make any mistakes, and, and they came up with this great plan to merge these two schools together that absolutely had nothing in common, and it was chaos and fighting from day one. Of course, my friends, I got to admit, they were my friends, they really stirred the pot because they decided the night before to climb up on the roof of the school, and they had a banner they hung down over the front of the school because we were going to the other school. And on the banner was the name of our old school. <laughs> so it was game on from that point. Are you with me? It, uh, it was an it was, uh, interesting group of guys. I, I was sitting there and I, I was just thinking of some of those. You know, here's a list. I wrote down in my notes here a list of the nicknames. Are you with me? Porky, Doot, Egghead, Moose, Tiny, Hot Dog, Crazy Horse, Toad, Fly, Duck, Fish, Moon, and my favorite, I didn't do it. 
His name was Daniel, but it was, actually it was, I did not. I did not, because Daniel, actually the reason he got that name is because he always did. He was always the guy that did it. If, you know, if the principal was coming, if the police were coming, if somebody who happened to be blessed enough to have a father that was coming, and we had done something, you know, as soon as they started making their way for Daniel, I did not. I did. I mean, they wouldn't even have to say that, but he really did most of the time. That, that was the problem. So this was, this was the company that I was keeping. I'm so glad that when I got born again, I got into another group of fighters. Hallelujah. I'm glad that when I got born again, I didn't get into some limp-wristed, wussy church, but I had a pastor that had fire in him. I got around some men that had fire, and I was able to take some of the understanding of the world, and the Lord was able to sanctify it. And I took these words, when I read those words about fighting, and that's something I know. I didn't know a lot that was in the Bible, but when I read those words, that I can do. That I know how to fight. And one of the things we have to understand this is this. All of us, if we've moved in faith at all, have had faith encounters. We've had faith disappointments. We've had faith bumps. We've had faith bruises. Can anybody say amen? And the purpose of of that in the enemy is to get us to slow down. But the one thing I learned in moving in faith, many things I've learned, this one thing I learned is in moving in faith, that just like when you're facing the bully, when you encounter those faith bruises, you should not count that as losing the battle. But what has happened is God is paving the canal. He is paving the stream where his waters of living water, where you took some bumps, where you took some bruises, where you, listen, I've been disappointed by experts. Can I just tell you that? I always, I am always thinking outrageous. I mean, if the, if there's 500 people there, I want 5,000 people there. If 100 get saved, I want 1,000 to get saved. If the offering's $20,000, I want it to be $2 million. I'm just, I'm just like that because I've got audacious faith. I've got, I got outrageous expectations. So, you know, great faith leaves room for great disappointment, but it shouldn't leave room for great discouragement. And there's a difference between being disappointed and being discouraged. Disappointment means you just got great expectations. Discouraged means you're going to let somebody take your courage. There's a big difference. Are you with me? Are you with me? So what I learned in some of those bruises I took out, and I, I got some broken bones to prove it. I got some scars on my body to prove it, that I took some beatings. Are you with me? And, and in the faith realm, I've taken some lickings, but I just keep on ticking. Because I realize, you know, that enemy, he's not coming back for more of that. Because I'm going to keep faithing. I'm going to keep believing. I'm going to keep imparting. I'm going to keep praying. When they don't get healed, I'm going to keep praying. When they don't get blessed, I'm going to keep praying. I am not backing off of my faith then, because I've got God's authority, his sword to go and do that in Jesus' name. And we've got to put the battle we're in in perspective. And that's what I want to help you do this morning by the grace of God is put the battle that we're in in perspective so you know how to use your faith that you understand that there's a bully on the block that tries to intimidate you, that tries to accuse you, that tries to condemn you, that tries to trip you up and stop you. And you are going to say, you know what, I am taking my position and I'm going to do what I'm going to do. Now, to the parents that are here, I don't recommend this to your children, okay? So you can teach them better when you get home. But in one particular move, we moved moved into the what was called the East Pittsburgh Projects, and it was you know it was a rough group. And you don't you're not you know when you go into those situations when you're a kid, you can figure out who the bullies are pretty quick. 
They, 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 they want to make themselves known, you know? And so this kid was on me, all right? And the problem with him, not only was he bigger and he could beat me up, uh, and he was a couple years older, he had like four more of them uh, brothers where they came from. You know, so it was really stacked against me. But I'd already learned at this point, look, I'm going to get beat up here. But I, I don't, I, I'm, they're not coming back for more. Are you with me? So we were out playing ball between the buildings one day. And to make it worse, there were a couple cute girls watching us. And that's always a bad combination, all right? It's always a bad combination. So, you know, we're playing ball, and I get a hit, and I'm running second base, and there he is. He's the second baseman, right, with his face, you know. And it just happened. It, I'm not the most spontaneous person, but it just happened. Your kids ever tell you that? I, I, you know, my, my, my kids, I found out that there was this stupid anointing that would just come on them sometimes. And, and they would say, I don't know how it happened. It just, it just happened. That's a whole other story. I can't go there right now. I got a whole other story. But as I rounded second base, I just reached out at full speed and just clocked him. It was wonderful. Now, I mean, it was a terrible thing to do. His feet literally left the ground. You know, and I rounded second base and I kept running and I ran all the way home. And I ran home and got my chain and I wrapped it around my arm, you know, and I, pull, I got a chair and I brought it. I sat on the sidewalk and I thought, I know he's coming for me. I'm just going to get this over with. I know he's coming for me, you know, and it wasn't long. And here they came down the street. They're going to see the new boy get wiped up. Are you with me? And they came down and I'm just sitting on the street. I wasn't hiding in the house. I'm just sitting out there. Got my little chair, got my chain wrapped around me. And he just looks at me and shook his head and walked by and we became friends. Hallelujah. <laughs> His name was Slim. He almost killed me in a car wreck a few years later, but that's a whole, that's a whole other story too. But, but anyway, listen, there are circumstantial bullies in our life. There are voices of intimidation, and fear is a spirit, the Bible says. Always remember that. When you're dealing with fear, you're not necessarily dealing with rational issues. You are dealing with a spirit that is trying to seduce you and break you down and incrementally cause you to declare, if not with your mouth, with your life, that Jesus isn't Lord, that circumstances are Lord. And when I understood that in the spirit, it made me jealous hallelujah, that I wanted Jesus to be the one that directed my steps and not circumstances and not a spirit of fear. Are you with me? Now look at verse 14. I read this to you, but I want you just to zap in on this verse for a minute here. Look what he says here. That you keep the commandment without stain or reproach until. Say until. Until. So how long does the faith fight last? Until. Here's what I like to say. The fight of faith you win every time if you stay in the ring. If the enemy can get you out of the ring, you can lose. If you stay in the ring, even when you feel like you're taking a even when you feel like you're taking a clipping, are you with me? If you stay in the ring, Jesus is the one that's going to ring the bell someday. <laughs> okay? Until the appearing 
of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we need to understand that faith is a forever concept. The great men and women that I've been privileged in my life to interface with and do exploits for God with, the one notable thing about them is that they all have a fragrance of eternity on them. They think in terms, you know, we talk about the big picture. Their picture is a forever picture. They're thinking of standing before the Lord and hearing, well done, good and faithful servant. They're not just thinking about what the banker's going to say or what the lawyer's going to say or what the doctor's going to say. They're thinking about what Jesus is going to say to say can you say amen to that some of you need to hear that again right now stop thinking about what the doctor is going to say and what the lawyer is going to say and what the banker is going to say and start thinking about what jesus is going to say and he's going to say well done good and faithful servant hallelujah see that's the backdrop that's the backdrop that's the collage that's the backdrop of the portrait of faith that God wants us to walk in. Hallelujah. That we're not boxed in by 20 years or 40 years or 60 years or 80 years, but we are boxed in Jesus by his eternity. An audacious faith considers forever to be a reality. Audacious faith considers forever to be a reality. Our dear bishop is in reality. He's in eternity today. We're the one, the Bible says, that is living in the vapor. Hello? That vanishes. What we're living in is going to change. What he's living in right now is not going to change. It's only going to change by who comes to visit him. And I hope we see you there someday. Hallelujah. Now, here it is in the life of Jesus. Because, you know, every great principle of faith we can see in the life of Jesus. So look at Hebrews 12, 2 with me real quick. Fixing your eyes on Jesus. Right there, that should, that should make you shout right there, right? Amen? Fixing, you know, wherever your eyes go, the rest of you goes. Right? Right? You get somebody that's, that's lost out on the sea and they, they focus on that lighthouse, right? And, and that's, that's where they go. That, you know, you get, you, get a, you get a teenager driving the car down the road and they look off to the side, the car follows where they went, right? How many can say, ouch and amen? Amen, right? Exactly. Yeah, we, we, we've had a, quite a record in our house of it. Let me just tell you that. He is the what? Author. He's the initiator. And he's the perfecter of our faith. Who for the, listen, look at this phrase. I want you to get this. Who for the joy set before him. How did Jesus walk in faith? I want you to think about this. I don't know if you ever thought in these terms. How many meetings did Jesus have that the natural man would observe as a failure? An awful lot. How many people turned their back on Jesus and left his meetings and said bad things about him? An awful lot. But who for what? The joy set before him. Jesus was looking to that day when he would stand before the Father. And he would stand there with some faith bruises and some faith disappointments. But he would stand there rejoicing because he fulfilled the will of the Father. He kept believing. He kept doing. He kept bringing glory to God. Amen? That's the same thing God wants us to do. We need to understand that faith is the currency of the kingdom of heaven. Faith is what moves God. Listen, not need. 
Your need is not... See, if need moved God, then the devil would be Lord because he'd just cause chaos and disruption and Jesus would be cleaning up the devil's messes. That's not how it works. Are you with me? Faith is what moves God. Jesus said 23 times in the Gospels, according to your faith. Okay? So... The good news is that he's given us a measure of faith and that we can use it. We've got to understand that, you know, getting God to feel sorry for us is not the goal. He already had compassion for us when he sent Jesus to the cross. Amen. And he continues in that compassion. But now he's given us something to live this abundant life that he's called us to. And it is the spirit of faith that God has put in every believer. Hallelujah. And we have to come to this place of understanding. And it's, it's a sober place in, in, in some ways. That if we're growing in God, listen, I want to make a statement. I really want you to get this down in your spirit. Because this was a big help to me many years ago. You know, because I felt, I mean, I'm not being self-demoralizing. But I felt so unqualified to be in the ministry. You know what I mean? I mean, uneducated unparented, unmentored, un-und, whatever it was, I was un. You know what I mean? And actually, after we had pioneered our church, our first church with some degree of success, I turned the church over because I felt unqualified to lead it. And, and honestly, honestly, I probably was. But God still used me in spite of myself. God's spirit was still pouring through me. There was a spirit of faith. People's lives were being radically changed. Are, are you with me? And I had to really, it took me some time to, to sort this out, whether I was really, you know, able to, to sustain and to go in the ministry. But here's what, here's what I want to say to you. You are never going to go to a place in God where he does not require you to have faith. Now hear me, hear me. This is really important. Because this is what kills a move of God. This is what kills a prosperous family. Because what happens is we can begin to rely on what we do well. We can begin to rely on our natural resources. Are you with me? But God wants us to understand that he is never... Listen, if it's the hand of God, he is, he is never going to put you in a place. I said never. Where faith is not required because it's faith that pleases God. Why would God do something to put you in a place where now you don't please him anymore? But see, a lot of times we're working so hard, we're working so And I understand, listen, I understand faith is a fight. I mean, you, you get in a ring and you swing, because I did box as a kid too. When you swing for about 30 seconds, let alone three minutes, I'll tell you, 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 you've done yourself a workout, let me just tell you. Faith is very much like that. And I know what happens, because I've been in a lot of faith fights where you, you feel exhausted. Thank God for the body of Christ. You know, I'm telling you, you've been called to fight, but nobody here has been called to fight alone. No, you're supposed to be connected. You're supposed to be drawing strength from body. And one thing they teach you about punching is you never punch from your shoulder. You punch from your body. Okay? You punch from your body. All right? And the good punchers, they punch from their body. That's a buddy trail, but it must be for somebody. But anyway, we've got to be connected. We've got to be connected. We, we've got to understand this. Are you there? There, is, there is a tiresome, there is a weariness that comes in faith. That's why the Bible gives us commands like, do not grow weary in well-doing. That's a command. Why? Because you feel weary. So it's not your imagination. 
You know, when you're in this faith fight and, and you, need to be, you need a prophetic word, you need time at the altar, you need to be in a small group, you need to go back, you need to get some pastoral ministry, you need to get in that marriage class, you need, whatever it is, that's not your, that's how the kingdom of God works. God is never going to bring you into a place where faith is not required. You need to get over that because he wants to take you from those life faith experiences to those dynamic faith experiences that you have a pull deep enough that somebody else can come and jump in now and get what when they need to get wet in the name of Jesus. Are you with me? Amen. Now listen, without faith, God said, it's impossible to please him. I think we ought to take God at his word. So rather than resent, when, have you ever been there? You're almost resentful. I'm going to think, well, God, what? Listen, that's where we ought to start rejoicing. I'm pleasing God right now. I am ple- I am in the battle of my life. I am, the, I am in the battle against a chronic sin, against a chronic oppression, against a chronic bully, against a chronic... I am, God, I am pleasing you. In the midst of my suffering, God, I am pleasing you. And that's what I was designed to do, hallelujah. That's what faith brings, hallelujah. That's what a proper understanding brings. So as I, was, as I was thinking about what I wanted to share with you and try to bring some impartation this morning, I, I just kind of went back on my faith clock. Are you with me? Back to, you know, some times uh, where I, I, I realize now, you know, I didn't know then, these would become watermarks in my life. These would become some of the spiritual irrigation ditches that God was digging. Things that at the time, like, I was not happy about. They were not, oh, this is great, you know. But you're in, you're in that faith fight. And I was thinking about that time right after we had turned that first church over and, and, and we were just kind of like, okay, God, what do we do now? And we had bought this little house and we were doing everything we could to try to, you know, you know, we didn't, Penny and I, we didn't have like a supportive family or anything like that. So it was, it was on us and, you know, it was Christmas time and we had a couple dollars and we went and we bought our mother something for Christmas and we're, we're, we're in the store and, and I see Penny pick up a pair of boots, you know, and she's looking at him. She doesn't dare say anything because you know we don't have two nickels to rub together in the natural you know and I and I, I go back I double around and I look at the price tag and it's fifty dollars well honestly it might as well have been five thousand dollars at that point you know uh, because just getting food on the table during that season that we we were we were in a battle you know we were we were believing God we were all hung out there we we, we were everything in God our sales up what do you want us to do you know, if somebody would have told me in a few years you're going to have a million-dollar budget that you've got to manage, I'd have said, you're crazy. Hallelujah. God was taking this kid from the projects, and he was teaching him principles of stewardship and trusting God for $50. <clears throat> and so I made this radical decision, and I didn't tell anybody. I didn't tell her. I didn't tell anybody. I said, God, I'm taking that little mortgage money we have that I got saved up, always paid my bills on time. You know, because I, I believe that's your testimony. And I don't encourage you to do this, but I had faith to do it. And I took $50, and I went and I bought those boots. And I said, God, you've got to deliver. This is your daughter. She's my wife, but she's your daughter. And I'm taking care of her like I believe you'd want to take care of her. And I'm trying to encourage her, and I'm trying to love her, and I'm trying to show her that these little things that do count, are you with me? And I, and I tell you, it was $50. I was nervous about it. I literally didn't know how I would replace it. I didn't literally know where to come. I didn't tell anybody. I didn't ask anybody to pray for me. Nobody knew I had a need. I didn't do anything. And I went and I bought the boots. Hallelujah. 
Later, I found out when I bought the boot, I gave the devil the boot. Hallelujah. A couple days later, in the mail, I opened this little envelope, hand address, and it's a money order for $50. And this is what it says. To Keith from Jesus. Nobody knew. Nobody knew. Are you with me? You know what? That was to Keith from Jesus. There was a sign, there was a searing, there was a mark, there was a coal, there was a watermark that God put in my spirit where he was daring me to face the bully, where he was daring me to get out my fight and gain my punch and stay in the ring and not back down and not go away. And I had no idea at that moment where that faith fight was going to lead me, that God was tempering me, that he was making me a man of faith that could be trusted with great eternal riches that would come forward in Jesus' name. So I'm going to ask Penny to come because I asked her last night, I said, uh, why don't you share something? You got, she, she's a woman of faith. She's got so many things she could share. And it was interesting that she, that she pinned something way early that really revolutionized our life. We had no idea at that moment how critical that faith fight was that was on her. So I want her to, to share. Hey, thanks for the boots, hon. <laughs> and thank you for all the things you've stretched your faith out since then to be kind and generous to me. You really have been. But I want to say you're looking at someone that everything positive that's in my life, everything fruitful, has come from knowing God as my Father, holding on to Him, and getting His Word and fighting for it. And I'm not saying that because it goes well with Keith's message. I'm saying that because that's who I really am. I am a desperate person that knows, number one, from the time I got saved, God taught me how kind and how good and how faithful he is. And I've learned to be completely comfortable with not having the goods myself, but knowing that he does and that he's going to cover me if I just hold on. And, you know, it has been a fight many, many times. It just hasn't necessarily just fallen out of heaven But we have learned to fight with the word. We have learned to fight. You know, uh, Watchman Nee said, I believe it was Watchman Nee. It might have been, no, it was, uh, I can't think of his name. But he said, the most important thing about you is how you perceive and how you view God. And I have learned to view him as my legitimate father. My real, live, everyday father. And he has taught me to fight because of that. And not just in the big things, but in loving my kids. We have eight kids. It takes faith to love them, to be consistent. And, you know, I found out that true humility is knowing who God is and knowing that he's got you covered. And I just even felt like today, true humility isn't like, oh, I just don't deserve it. I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. And, you know, we're not worthy. But true humility is knowing that we're not worthy but that he loves us, that he's crazy about us anyway. And that because he's crazy about us, he's going to take care of us. And I just felt like God wanted me to say to some of you out there, there's some folks here that are wrestling with the fact that they just think they're not good enough to receive something from God right now. That, that God can't come through for them because they've been naughty, so to speak. But you know what? When you're naughty, God's still crazy about you. When you're naughty, he's still faithful. And if you just humble yourself and say, you know what, God, I've got some things in my life I need you to clean up, I need you to help me with, I need you to repair. 
but you are crazy about me, and you've got me covered, and you're going to do this thing. And if I believe there are people in here, if you would just go back to that stance, if you would just go back to that posture, let go of false humility where you're just going on and on about how you're not good enough. Let that go. Stomp on that thing and say, you know what? No, I'm relying on your goodness. But I'm just going to share one quick testimony. And um, <clears throat> Keith and I had had our first child. We have eight children. Our first daughter, Stacy, who's 34, was born via C-section. It was a very, very hard delivery, very hard C-section. I hated it. And so she's awesome, but that was a hard time. And it, and it actually took us four years to have our second daughter, Natalie. And even in that, we weren't seemingly getting pregnant, so we took the word of God that said there will be none barren or miscarrying among you. And we believed God for the second child in our life. We ended up having eight, so it really worked. That first, that we got it in there somehow. It worked from then on. <laughs> but when it came time when I was pregnant, I was like, I do not want to go through that C-section thing again, Lord. And if we're going to have a big family, I need to have a natural birth. And even back then, like 30-some years ago, that was a little precarious to do the VBAC thing, you know, and so my doctor, thankfully, was willing to go the route with me. But in the process of my pregnancy, God gave me this word, Isaiah 66, 9. And it says, do I bring to the moment of birth and not give delivery? And that became my battle cry. And for the last month of my pregnancy, I spoke that thing over my life. And Keith agreed with me of that. And in the hospital, when I was having the baby... I kept speaking this. The the doctor had told me at my last appointment, I'm going to give you 48 hours to have the baby or we're doing a C-section. And it was approximately 36 hours when I went into a slow labor and went into the hospital. There was not guaranteed that everything was going to progress, but I held this word in front of my eyes. And I spoke this word, and Keith and I held hands and spoke this word together and refused to accept anything else. And it wasn't the easiest labor in the world. It was two hours of pushing. It was a decently long labor. She was posterior. It was challenging. It was a fight. But God came through. And that opened the door for us to have all the children that we have. And this is just one story of hundreds where you take the word, you hold fast, you accept nothing less, you, you rest and abide under the smile and the love of God, and you say, I'm fighting with your word because you're crazy about me, God, and you're going to do it. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> now, what would have happened if that didn't work out? We would have stayed in the ring. That's what I'm trying to tell you. We would have stayed in the ring. Because we believe that God's got this covered. Are you with me? We would have stayed. As a matter of fact, the next baby that came along, how Natalie's what, eight? How much older than Benaiah? 18 months. So Benaiah, she's pregnant with Benaiah, her first son. And uh, the, the doctor, you know, he's telling her the whole time, this is a big baby. This is a big baby. You know, this is a big baby. So they're looking at her. They're in there. They're like, okay, she's not progressing again. You know, in the thing, they're looking at the baby. He's, he's, or he's on the phone ordering the C-section team. I hear him on the phone. You know, and, I, and we're, we're like desperate. We're crying out to God saying, God, we're, we're, we're just believing. We're holding fast that word. And, 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 and they're, coming up, they're, coming, they're coming up the aisle in the hospital, and I lock the hospital door. They're banging. 
They're banging on the door. Let us in. I'm saying, I'll be with you in a minute. Let us in. I went to the window. I went to the little window, and I'm crying out to heaven. I'm looking to heaven, to the throne of God. I'm saying, God, you gave her a word, and we're standing on that word. And they were banging on the door. Sometimes you got to fight. Faith is not passive. They're bang- and they're yelling at me. You gotta let us in. And all of a sudden, I hear Penny give this moan and this groan and this little baby crest. He won so little. He was a ten and a half pounder. Hallelujah. Oh. Amen. Yeah. I had to have faith. That kid started eating a whole box of cereal every morning at two years of age. Every day I had to buy a box of cereal for him. It was unbelievable. <clears throat> But anyway, you know, so, 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 you know, God makes marks in our life. You know, we didn't know at that time the stewardship of faith that God would entrust, the lives that he would entrust to us, the ministries that he would entrust us, that he would enable us to be even, you know, we, we had two cases go to the, in front of the Supreme Court of the United States. I was, I was subpoenaed to testify before the judicial branch of our federal government, you know. I mean, you know, the bully is staring at you. Are you with me? The, the bully is bearing down on you. Judge Kelly in, in Wichita, a federal judge, pulled me into his courtroom because I would not obey an injunction to stop preaching outside of abortion is he said i'm going to take your house i'm going to take your church i'm going to take your car i'm going to take your bicycle i mean he he said i'm going to take everything you own if you don't stop i said judge i don't own anything (laughs) see i had met bullies before are you with me and i knew that i was in the will of god all right. And I also knew that I'd taken some faith hits. And you know what? If he took them, God was just going to have to give me another one. Are you with me? <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> I mean, I, I, know, I know a bully when I see one. The devil's a bully going about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may, who gives him permission to be devoured. He is wicked. He is bad. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And Jesus came that we might have life and that we might have it more abundantly. That's the litmus test. Do you understand me? That's the difference in the characters. But I want to give you three things that you can sink your teeth into principle-wise, biblical-wise this morning. Three things that people that flow in faith know. Three things you've got to know. Three things you've got to get your knower really knowing and intimate with. And Penny really hit the first one. Number one is knowing who God is. Hebrews 11.6. Without faith it's impossible to please God. And he that cometh to God must know that he is what? A rewarder. Think of the people that are in religious uh, darkness today the one thing that most of them have in common is they don't even know who god is they don't know that he's good they don't know that he's gracious they don't know that he's kind they don't know that he's benevolent they don't know that he's a rewarder when abraham was crying out to god abraham probably the richest man in the world at this time i think we lose fact of that Probably the richest, most prosperous man in the world says, God, what will you give me seeing that I do not have a son, seeing I do not have inheritance? And God said to him, Abraham, I will be your reward. I'm not going to give you a reward. I am the reward. He is a rewarder. God is our reward. Hallelujah. 
Are you with me? Faith has a sweet spot that even when the circumstances don't line up, we know that we were in there, that we were pleasing God, that we might have taken a faith bump, that we might have had a little faith disappointment, we might have had a faith detour, but we were pleasing God. We were staying in the ring. Hallelujah. We were not giving up because we were dependent on Jesus. Listen to me. People that flow in faith know that God is good. He's a rewarder. God is good. Say it out loud. God is good, and he's a rewarder. Amen. You've got to know that so deep because it becomes not about you. Because God is going to call you to places of faith that you do not have the resume to believe for. And you've got to believe that there's a holy God sitting on the throne laughing at the bully. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. Number two. We know that we've been made righteous and we're invited to ask. 2 Corinthians 5.21 He who knew no sin was made to be sin for me that I might become the righteousness of God in Christ. Amen? People that are in religiosity, people that are under guilt, people that are under condemnation, people that are not assured of their relationship with Jesus will never operate in audacious faith because they'll always be afraid of really approaching God boldly to the throne of grace like the Bible says. Boldly means we come on his merit. Arrogance, you come on your own merit. Boldness, you come on his merit. He's invited us boldly to come. We come boldly because the Jesus the Son is now the advocate making intercession. And he says, Father, here comes another one of your sons. Here comes another one of your daughters. I'm stretching the scepter out to them. They can approach the kingdom. They can ask for outrageous things because you've told us to ask. And we come based on that righteousness. We come because the cross is not a symbol, because it's a legal transaction that we can trust in forever. Hallelujah. Faith people are aware of where righteousness comes from. Matter of fact, it's one of those eternal proverbs that we, we, God gives us a measure of faith to get saved. And through salvation, we get righteousness. And through righteousness, we're able to go back to the throne and release our faith. And it becomes just irrepressible. It becomes a spring that God builds up in us. So, number two, people know they've been made righteous. Point number three, that you've got to know that You've got to know the end result. We are forever people. We are fighting an unseen battle in a seen world. We are fighting present dilemmas, but we've got to be forever focused. Romans 8.38 says this. For I am convinced. Say convinced. That means I have a conviction. I've got a conviction. There's enough evidence against me to put me in jail for this. I've got a conviction. Hallelujah. I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, or any other thing created or created thing will be able to separate me from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. What is that? That's a forever man making a statement. He's saying all these things that are trying to separate me. All these things that are trying to discourage me. All these things that are trying to put me in bondage. All these things that are trying to depress me. They can't do it. Even though I've had some faith bumps. You think the Apostle Paul did not have some faith disappointments? 
Do you think he thought he was going to write his last letter while he was about to be executed? I don't think that's the script he thought was going to happen. But he stayed in faith. He stayed in the ring because he was a forever man. And he believed that neither angels nor death nor life nor triumphs or defeats or discouragements, heights or depths or any created thing could separate him from the love of God. When you believe that, you become audacious. And the bully does not want a piece of that. Can I just tell you? He will go to the weakest link. He will find somebody that will offer less resistance. Hallelujah. Hey, listen. If nothing else, stay in faith to take the pressures off your brothers and sisters. (laughs) Engage the enemy. Maybe there's somebody in your realm, in your spirit, in your spirit that you're working with, that man, maybe you need to engage to get a little bit of pressure off of them. Give them a a faith break so they can fight. You know, because it is tiring fighting in faith. It really is. It's not your imagination. God has called you to fight, but he hasn't called anybody to fight alone. Armies go to war. Soldiers go to armies. We're called to be soldiers so we can get in the army. And then the army does the war. Amen. We're called to be believers so we can get in the body. And the body does the battle. It's God's design for every believer to be connected to a local family called a local church. God's plan is that the church, and he does not have plan B. God's plan is his bride. God doesn't have a mistress. Now let me wind down with this, because I just want to nail one more real important principle here, the, the, the truth from God's Word. Because it's, it's, you could be sitting there and saying, yeah, but you don't know me. And I don't have that kind of faith, even you had to believe for that $50. Oh, yes, you do. And I know that because the Bible says you do. Look at 2 Peter 1.1 with me for a minute. Listen to this. Now again... These are people that are now coming under persecution. Okay, so let's get the text right. To those who have, say have. Have. Not going to get, not hoping to get. Those who have, past tense. This is part of redemption. Part of redemption is God giving us, for lack of a better word, the tools or the equipment to receive all of redemption. Amen? To appropriate by faith all of God's promises. To those who have received a faith of the same kind as ours. I like the King James here. Those who have received a like precious faith. I like that. A like, what kind? Just like mine. This is the Apostle Peter. It's looking you in the eye this morning. Speaking to your heart saying, Ma'am, sir, you have the same faith that Jesus Christ gave me. That's the Bible. That's the authority of God's Word. By the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, we have the same kind of faith. And you've been designed to use your faith. You've not been designed to be a spectator in the kingdom of God. You've got to know this. You've got to use it. You've got to practice it. Let me give you one more thing to consider here. And we're going to pray. We're going to believe God this morning. 
We're going to take some shots at the bully this morning. Anybody in a fighting mood? Come on. Come on. Look at the book of Revelation. And the 21st chapter, let me just read you this. Eight verses in Revelation 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there is no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city and new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he will dwell among them, and they shall be his people And God himself will be among them. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And there will no longer be death. And there will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed. And he who sits on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, Write, for these words are faithful and true. Stay with me. Then he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give to the one who thirsts from the spring of water of life without cost. And he who overcomes will inherit these things, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. Isn't that incredible? Isn't that incredible? See, that's that forever revelation. But I want to read you the next verse, because the next verse is as scary as the first seven are comforting. But for the cowardly and unbelieving. But for the cowardly and the unbelieving. And murderers and immoral persons and sorcerers and idolaters and liars. Their part will be in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. I mean, I want you to see where God lumps unbelieving in. pretty sobering isn't it why because he's made that available to you he's put that in your spirit okay obviously he's talking here about people that have never come into covenant with god i understand that but i'm just talking to you how that god throws that in there and the enemy knows that okay he's an unbeliever he got thrown out of heaven have you ever thought about that It's time for some of you to clock the bully and say, you know what? I might take a faith bruise. I might take a faith bump. I might faith faith disappointment. But I'm going to exercise the faith faith muscle. And I'm going to prepare. I'm going to become a man. I'm going to become a woman of God that God makes a mark on that opens up a channel in my life where faith can begin to flow. And I learn how to operate in this incredible attribute God has given me from heaven in Jesus' name. This is not a supernatural gift. This is the art of Christian living, okay? Where we take faith out of just being experienced and we make it a way of life. That's what Penny was sharing with you this morning. Amen. I want you to stand to your feet with me for a minute. Hallelujah.
Is there a bully in your life, honestly? Somebody, something that is mocking you, demanding your silence, demanding that you quit resisting, demanding that you quit, quit believing. I'm telling you, that thing will not grow silent if you back off. It will just take over. It will just take over. We've seen it. We've seen precious people that we know and love who once made a testament of faith back away. And we've seen how the enemy has destroyed them. We, it, it's heartbreaking as a, as a pastor to see that happen in people's lives. But he's the devil. That's what he does. If he can get you out of the ring, he gets you on his turf. So I'm saying you're in a safe place today. You're in a Pharisee-free zone. Well, people will help you fight. You've not been called to fight along, but fight you must. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life whereunto you've been called and where you've testified before many witnesses. Hallelujah. If there's a bully tormenting you this morning, I'd like to lay hands on you. And ask God just to stir your heart this morning. To stir your heart. To use your faith. To stay in the ring. And if you've got a call for reinforcements to stay in the ring, that's okay. I've done it many, many times. Are you with me? But in the ring I stay. There's nowhere else to go. If that's you this morning, I want you to run up here real quick, and we're going to lay hands on you, and we're going to believe, and we're going to agree. Why don't we have? Why don't we do that song we did? No more, no longer a slave. We we still here? Can we do that? Is that possible? Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you. And also, those that it might have applied that you have let go of your faith fight because you have been fooled into believing that you're just not worthy have the promise of God, I think you need to come up for prayer too and say, you know what, I'm not going to hold on to that mindset anymore. I'm going to believe that God is worthy and he loves me and I'm going to move forward and fight again. And if you need to go, please, you're released in Jesus' name. We honor you, bless you for thank you and hearing here. And if you're going to stay, though, we want you to be engaged and just stretch your hand out to these folks. But, but feel free. We're so glad to spend some time with you this morning. Now, we're going to agree. I'm going to agree for an impartation this morning, okay? Not to give you faith, but to stir up what God has already given you. All right, let's be clear here, all right? Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word. That's where you get faith. Some of you are faith deficient because you're not in the Word. you got to get a Word. you got to get a Scripture. Penny had a Word. She had a Scripture. That's where faith comes from. And it's got to be so deep in you that when you get punched, that's what comes out of you. When the enemy tries to stick you, that's what comes out of you. It's the Word that comes out of you in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Let's raise our voice and worship. Let's release. There was a tremendous faith atmosphere when we were worshiping in here. I sense the spirit of faith in this house today in Jesus' name. Let's just go after the bully. Let's just go after him. I want you to understand clearly, those that are standing here this morning, it's fight now or fight later. It's better to fight now. It's better to fight now in Jesus' name. Penny and I, we're just going to spread out. I'm going to release you on this end. I'm going to get on this end. Okay? And we're just going to lay hands and agree in the name of Jesus. A couple of the prayer warriors in the house would just come up and just mingle in with us and, and uh, just just be led by the Lord as we minister. We're just going to ask God for an impartation for a divine stirring. Amen. Can we do that? Amen.